Um, has the U.S. government become aware of actual evidence of extraterrestrial, otherwise unexplained forms of intelligence? And if so, when do you think this first occurred? Uh, I like to use the term non-human. I don't like to denote origin. Keeps the aperture open, both scientifically. Right. Uh, uh, certainly, uh, like I've dis discussed publicly uh, previously in 1930s. Okay. Can you give me the names and titles of the people with direct first-hand knowledge uh, and access to some of this crash retrieval, some of these crash retrieval programs, and maybe which facilities, military bases, that would the recovered material would be in? And I know a lot of Congress have talked about we're going to go to Area 51, and you know, and there's nothing there anymore anyway. It's just you know, and we move like a glacier. And as soon as we announce it, I'm sure the moving vans would pull up. But please. Uh, I can't discuss that publicly, but I did provide that information both to the Intel committees and the Inspector General. And we could get that in the skiff if we were allowed to get in a skiff with you. Would that be probably what you would think? Sure, if you had the appropriate yeah. accesses, yeah. Uh, what special access programs cover this information, and how is it possible that they have debated oversight for so long? Uh, I do know the names. Once again, I can't discuss that publicly and, and how they've evaded oversight. I. In a close setting, I can tell you the specific tradecraft use. All right. <laughs> There's just so much there. And every single turn is just one other ridiculous line of questioning after the other. Like, did you notice at the very beginning there, he just dropped in, the, the, the first encounter was in the 1930s? Yeah, notably, the War of the Worlds was in 1938. That, that famous broadcast that supposedly well this panicked. actually th th this is this is about the same time frame that that first encounter was but we'll get to that later <laughs> I, I really just wanted to play that one part and i left it i let it run a little long about how he was talking about how you know it, it, even if we did get our all our way to area 51 there, there wouldn't be nothing there anyway as soon as we announce it the moving vans are going to show up can we briefly address yosemite sand can we briefly say he was saying daggum who says dead gum? It's 2023. What is this? <laughs> he's the wild I mean, he's west. already he's basically just assuming that there's there the aliens are there and they've been hidden from us. <laughs> That's his starting point. That should tell you about how legitimate any of this hearing is. Now, uh, have you had direct conversations with Mulder or Scully? On All right, everybody, before issue. we get in too deep into this, I'm going to cut Julian off because he's about rambling on with another joke. Welcome <laughs> back to Wet Wired. I'm Sean Andes. And I'm Julian Paul Butt. As you can tell, UFOs, everybody. People are seeing them, <laughs> the deep state is hiding them, and a small bunch of patriots are trying to blow the whistle. A couple of weeks ago on July 26th, the House Subcommittee on National Security, the Border, and Foreign Affairs held a hearing to get to the bottom of this. This subcommittee is part of the Committee on Oversight, which is, you know, because the, the Republicans are controlling the House right now, this is a Republican-controlled committee, so it is largely filled with Republican members. Though we did hear from AOC and a couple of others briefly. Oh, no, there's Democrats on, on the committee. Well, she, she's actually, you know, so even though- She actually made the, a couple of reasonable it, questions- even though the House Subcommittee on National Security, yada, 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 is the one that hosted this hearing, they called it and, and gathered the witnesses, there were members from the full committee, uh, full oversight committee present. So, like, for example, Raskin is not on the subcommittee, but he was present at the questioning. 
AOC is not on the subcommittee, but she was present at the questioning because she is on the House Oversight Committee, which usually has to do with budgetary things or, you know, kind of like real kind of deep down checks and balances type stuff. But this particular subcommittee is probably the easily the one of one of the most non-serious bunches of politicians you could find. (laughs) Pretty much every third hearing when you look at their docket is titled something like how to stop Biden from destroying the government or did you almost say destroying the empire? Yeah, that too. (laughs) And I'm really not exaggerating. They're they're like literally they're holding a hearing on August 8th called Biden's border crisis and its effect on American communities. (laughs) (laughs) Is is, would that be the Canadian border or maybe the? I, I think it's the Atlantic. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and if if people haven't been keeping track, this is the second hearing about UFOs or UAPs in the last two years. But at least the last one was held by the House Intelligence Committee, which makes a lot more sense because we're talking about, I mean, even if you don't assume aliens, you're talking about something in the skies above the US that you and you don't know what it is, that should be cause for alarm. You know, that's a concerning thing when you're, when you're, you know, when you're trying to defend borders and airspace, that there's something there and you can't identify it. So I get that part of it. I don't have, I, whatever. I don't have any issue with any of that, you know, any of the military aspect of it or anything like that. You, it's an unidentified object in the sky. Go check it out. Yeah, obviously. The big fixture of this particular hearing were these, these all-star whistleblowers. And I'm just going to start introducing them one at a time here. So first, we have Ryan Graves, a former F-18 Navy pilot, who's the he's the famous Tic Tac guy, you know, that, you know, where he was flying around in 2004. Oh, actually, I take that back. That's not Graves. That's the other guy. Oh, that's for that's, that's Fravor. Fravor. All right. Yeah. So Ryan Graves is the one. He was a part of a training group that was stationed off the coast of uh, Virginia or stationed uh, off of a aircraft carrier. And during their flight training, he said, he says everybody saw UFOs in his squadron every day for like a year. It was a and giant, saw, it was gi- it, sometimes, a giant red square. That well, was it was a square of a inside of a sphere. Field. It was a cube inside of a sphere is the, what, oh, what was the no, most no, common yeah, description. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's the, he's the one where it's talking about, it's a black cube inside of a clear sphere. All right. So the next one we have is, is David Fravor. That's the Navy pilot who saw the Tic Tac object in 2004, was reported in the New York Times in 2017. Lots of attention, you know, a lot of very breathless attention in a lot of cases from, you know, for former like internet dark web figures like Eric Weinstein and Lex Friedman. I mean, Lex Friedman wasn't so much internet uh, dark web or, or yeah, he wasn't one of those guys, but the, uh, he was uh, he was definitely adjacent. <laughs> yeah, is that what they were called? The dark web? That doesn't sound right. It was probably the dark net. IDW is what what Eric Weinstein used to call all of them. Like I have no idea. Him and his brother, intellectual dark web. That's what it was. <laughs> Not internet. <laughs> but uh, Aside from those guys who we've obviously heard from many, many times, I mean, the, I mean, since 2016, 2017, both of those stories have been reported dozens of times. They've given, they've given dozens of interviews, televised or recorded interviews that you can go watch. There's videos everywhere of these people telling their stories. But the star witness 
somebody who we hadn't publicly heard from before, except for a couple of articles that came out just before this hearing, which definitely seems like a, a publicity injection right before the hearing started, is a guy named David Grush. And Grush was a combat officer in the Air Force and served in Afghanistan. He was also a former intelligence officer for something called the Na National Geospatial Intelligence Agency and the National Reconnaissance Office. He was also part of the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Tra Task Force, or UAPTF. And basically, the, the gist of Grush's testimony is that he's provided evidence to Congress and the intelligence community, Inspector General, about these deep covert programs that have intact and partially intact alien vessels, which would be, you know, huge if true. Except he goes out of his way to not use the term alien. And when yeah. questioned well, I, about I, it, I, I don't care what he, what terms he uses. Everybody's understand. See, that's the thing about his like dancing around this terminology is that everybody hears this testimony and they understand he is talking about extraterrestrials. And well, and, they grilled him, and, and, they and then he minces words, and he's like, "Well, you know, I try to be clear about the uses of, you know." And it's just fucking bullshit. But that's not how he knows damn well. Everybody understands what he's saying as extraterrestrials. They're talking uh, about right, actual so, aliens. So and, we have and intergalactic spaceships. dog whistles happening here. Is that <laughs> is that what's going on? That is exactly what's going on. <laughs> Is is Spock gonna get fucking upset if you're if you're uh, not using the proper terminology? So before anybody goes and decides they're gonna spend the the two and a half hours or whatever to watch this hearing, don't even waste your time. It is absolutely not worth it unless you want to just hear a bunch of politicians stumbling around trying to get somebody to admit that they've sh like they shook hands with an alien once. <laughs> So, and they, you know, and they start mentioning shit like fucking Gerald Ford and, and things like yeah. that. They're like, oh, Gerald Ford talked about aliens. And it's like, okay, I guess. Also, I watched the X-Files. What are you talking about? What does this have Admiral to do Bird with Admiral Bird flew to the center of the earth <laughs> <laughs> through the what hole in Antarctica. What does it have to do with the price of weather balloons in China? It's funny that you mentioned that. And we might get back to that later on. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's like a that's a brief intro to these guys. In short, like I said, everything that they said in testimony has been published in other places, including a good part of what Grush said in his testimony, not just in the article that appeared uh, a couple of days before the hearing, the hearing commenced, but in a New York Times article from three years or, or from five years ago or so. He isn't mentioned in that article by name, but basically all the same details are present in it. So it makes it, it definitely makes it seem like either it would, there was somebody else who knew all the same information that he knew, or he just was an he was an unnamed source for a lot of the material in the article because it was a lot. It was it was there's so much crossover between the 2023 like July 23rd debrief article and the 2017 New York Times article that talks about this stuff. And I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I will come back to that article, the Times article a little bit later. And and honestly, it even sounds like uh, who who is that guy in the 90s that was basically just talking about uh uh oh yeah, I I was I was reverse engineering stuff in Area 51 and all that and uh and uh and I and I definitely know about all, all these things 
And on his first handful of interviews, he was using a pseudonym that was really generic, like James or something like that. I don't remember. But uh, but it's basically the guy that kicked off the Area 51 uh, uh, conspiracy theory. You're not talking about Bob Lazar, are you? Lazar, that's his name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like the same thing where it's like yeah. he, he, he's starting off with a pseudonym before he you actually... You would not believe how many of these guys have been repeat Joe Rogan guests. <laughs> I would absolutely believe it. God. <laughs> Jesus. Just like one, like, like poorly credited person after another, or, or, you know, I don't know how to say that. Like one person with just, you know, like totally transparent credibility after another, there, there's no vetting process that goes on, go on for that, go on to that show. It's just like, Oh, you got something crazy to say? Sure. Joe will talk to you. I, I'm not sure if I'm getting ahead of us, uh, ahead of us here, but oh, don't uh, then. I, hold on, hold hold off on it because okay. I want to get into some of the some All of the details okay. a little bit okay. about what some All of right. these guys actually said. <laughs> what did they say, Sean? So going back to Fravor, <laughs> he he told the as I said, same Tic Tac story he's been telling since 2017, even though it has been convincingly debunked since October of the same year it was first published. Now, the event occurred in 2014 or 2004, but it wasn't widely known until 2017 when there was some reporting on it. And literally within about a month and a half, there was a a very, very reasonable explanation for the, 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 the visual experience that this pilot had within a couple of months. So how hard was the Department of Defense trying to debunk or to understand this story and explain it? Because debunking isn't even always the right word. We're really just looking for an explanation. One explanation that is like should be the most extreme and absolutely the last place anybody goes is that it's fucking aliens. We should probably be looking for any terrestrial explanation we possibly can find before that because anything that is like halfway possible is it is almost infinitely more plausible than its aliens. Listen, Occam doesn't have a safe a safe space here with these people. Uh, he, he's going to get no razors. I mean, at best they're going to be rusty. It, it, the The crazy thing about that video, I, well, among other things, well, there's a couple so of them. There, there's the, well, it is boring, but it, there, there's a and, and there's a couple of videos here because there's a video, there's a recording that actually came from his plane, and then there's recording from the from the Nimitz itself, and you know, so there's you know there's there's different footage of this, but all of it has been very convincingly uh, convincingly explained. Yeah, it's a uh, the the it's actually the one of them is from another another plane with where the pilots have not been identified. That's typically referred to as the gimbal video. And then the Nimitz Tic Tac is the one that is associated with Fravor. And he mentions the uh, gimbal video in the, in the hearing. Now the gimbal video is something he saw, like he saw the recording just like everybody else has. He didn't, I mean, he wasn't there flying a plane when that happened. Sure. And if, if he was, he certainly has never, you know, never claimed to, to be the one that piloted that. The funniest thing about Fravor to me is that of the lot, he seemed the most um, genuine, I guess, is the best way I can describe it. He's genuine because he believes it. Yeah. But this is a guy who has also shown his willingness to believe all kinds of crazy shit. (laughs) Stuff that he's just like heard about. So I was working... 
I, I worked, I, I still do it, but I was doing oil and gas at the time uh, on, a, on a contract. And one of the guys, the story came out and he was a Navy helicopter pilot. And he comes in, he, he comes in, he goes, hey, can I talk to you, man? I go, what about, he goes, dude, I got, I got to talk to you. And I said, what do you want to talk to me about? He says, dude, you know your UFO? He said, yeah, he goes, I had a similar experience. I said, what's that? He said, he was flying CH-53s, which is a big lift, heavy lift that the Marine Corps uses, and the Navy uses it for certain things. And when they go off of, for the East Coast, they do a lot of shooting off of, at the time, it was off of Puerto Rico. We had Roosevelt Roads that they ended up closing. Um, but he was flying out of there. And, you know, you got super clear Caribbean water, and they have these things that are called BQMs. They fly around, and then when they're all done, because they'll fly towards the ships, and the ship can oh, – sorry about that. They can track with the radar. And then they also do – in the like the ships or submarines shoot torpedoes. They're, they're called telemetry rounds. So they have – they gather all the data on what the torpedo is doing underwater. And then they blow ballast, and this thing will come to the surface and float, and then they go pick them up, and then they can extract all the data out of them. So they do it for both. So he said the first time they're out and they're going to pick up this BQM. And those things, when they're flying, they're done. A parachute comes out and they got to go. They hook it up. The helo drops the swimmer in the water. He goes and hooks this whole thing up. And then they hoist the whole thing up and fly back. And then they extract the data. So he says he's sitting in the front. You know, in helicopters, there's, you know, CH-53. You can actually see down by your feet. You know, just like typical, like you go to Hawaii and ride. Because so, you can see when you're touching down. So you got really good visibility out of those things. And you can stick your head out the window, too, because you're just kind of hanging out. He says he's going on there, and they're getting this thing hooked up. And as he's looking down, you know, because they're, I don't know what, 50 feet above the water, he sees kind of this dark mass coming up from the depths. And they start to hoist the, the diver up, and he's got, they've got the BQM. And as they hoist it up, he says, and he's looking at this thing going, what the hell is that? And then it just goes back down underwater. It just like, once they pull the kid and the, the BQM out of the water, this object descends back into the depths. So he thinks, well, that was pretty weird. So he goes out. He says, not too long later, you know, a few months later, he's out and he's picking up a torpedo. So he says they got the, they hooked the diver up on the winch and they're lowering him in. And as he's looking down, he sees this big, massive, he goes, it's not a submarine. He's seen submarines before. Once you see a submarine, you, you can't confuse it with something else. This big object, you know, kind of circular, he says, is coming up from the depths. And he starts screaming to, through the intercom system to tell him to pull the diver up. And the diver's like a few feet from the water. So they reverse the winch, and the diver's thinking, what the hell's going on? And he's getting pulled up, and all of a sudden, uh, he said the torpedo just got sucked down underwater, and the object just descended back down into the depths, and they never recovered the, the torpedo. Jesus. And this happened in the late 90s, late mid to late 90s, I think it is. They're literally telling stories about seeing sea monsters. Yeah, uh, we got a we got a BQM over here. Uh, yeah, it's dropping in the water and uh, coming off the coast here. We got an LOL and an LMAFO. Uh, now, if you look closely, uh, you're going to find a BRB. I don't care about the credentials that anybody has. What the I, fuck? I really like anybody. Whatever your background is, you you were some kind of like ace pilot, and you did all these crazy things, and you're this expert, and you know doing all this stuff. I don't care. It is a story about a fucking sea monster. This is seeing some aquatic mammals and saying it's fucking mermaids, dude. I know. You know <laughs> and that's the thing is that ba it, back when, you know, like uh, in the in the in the 1400s, it was an incredibly common thing to have seen a mermaid if you were a sailor. Christopher <laughs> Columbus said he cl claimed to have seen a mermaid. And uh, everybody saw mermaids <laughs> and it's like it's some sort of like mass hysteria that gets into people. You know, they, 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 
whenever they, somebody cites the uh, that there's been an uptick in reporting or something like that, you know what? There's not an uptick in photographs. There's not an uptick in photographs. <laughs> and I'm not talking some grainy thing that is like 3,000 yards away or, or five miles or something like that. I'm talking about an actual picture with discernible details when everybody in the, in the world, well, I, I mean, everybody at least in the wealthy parts of the world has a camera that is far superior to what anybody would be carrying 20, 30 years ago in their pocket at all times. And Notab- you tell me that there's no pictures. There's there's an increase in reporting, but not photos. In in the United States, in the last 10, 20 years, uh, let's say, let's split the difference, say 15 years, there has been a massive increase in reports of police brutality and, and documentation of uh, police brutality. And that is not because police brutality has increased. It's because we have fucking... Smartphones. Well, I mean, maybe it's, it, it has increased, but the one thing All that's right, for maybe sure column is a, that column B, but there is evidence now, and that's why the reporting actually gets taken seriously because now you have a photo, you have video in, in most cases. And, and so my, my, my point in that, and actually I'll, I'll even kind of add to that point to really seal the deal, that left-handedness uh, uh, in, in the earlier part of the 20th century was considerably less until around the 50s when it sh- 40s and 50s and it shot up i mean like uh, uh like over a dozen percentage points up and then it plateaued and that's because uh at a certain point in around the 20th century at least in in the western hemisphere uh left-handedness was not necessarily a sign of the devil and uh as soon as that was no longer the case and we kind of acclimated to the idea of left-handedness, the actual percentages kind of leveled off in terms of observable and... and so you're actually, you're making an argument for the UFO people right don't now. Don't worry, I'm getting there. So what I'm saying is that we have tons more fucking cell phones and, uh, uh, and, and if there were really that many UFO sightings that were legitimate UFO sightings... We you should have some have good fucking footage at this not point. Even, yeah, not even photos. We should have video all over the place of all these things. Yeah, but like what? All those, all those, you know, those those oil rig workers that saw the lights in the sky, they didn't have phones in their pockets. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> and yeah, you, you maybe can see they some didn't. dancing lights. There's probably shit reception out there. Maybe they don't have phones in their pockets. I, I don't know. You can see some dancing lights in Arizona and some shit like that. And some of that is. It doesn't see that's the thing. But if it, it's, but it's unexplained, but, it's un hold if it's unexplained, it's unexplained. It doesn't mean it's aliens. That should be the absolute last ex- like thing that we reach for to explain something. <laughs> it's it's such low hanging fruit. It's it's so easy. All right. Next one up we have uh let, let's talk a little bit more about about Ryan Graves. So Ryan Graves is the F-18 pilot, uh Navy pilot that was stationed as part uh, he and his squadron were stationed off the coast of Virginia. Now his his, his this is the guy who who uh whose squadron was seeing a UFOs every day for a year from 2014 to 2015. But and this is what this one is pretty huge. Graves never, never saw personally one. saw a UFO. He just so talked about the there. guys who said they saw something. 
he's up there as the witness talking about the other guys saying they saw a UFO. Where the fuck are those guys? Now, now Graves did see something. I guess you call it call it a UFO. He he saw an unidentified radar blip. There's probably a better acronym for that than UFO. You know, he did. There was an object that came up on his radar, and it was unexplained. But that's that's what he experienced was was his was the radar signal. And it, the, the, but I think the really interesting part about all that, like his whole story of Graves and the squadron, is that all the sightings for that entire squadron began only after their planes radar systems were upgraded from 1980s era equipment. Yeah. <laughs> so all, all right, of a so, sudden we have new equipment and we're seeing a lot more things. We're seeing a lot of things that we have not previously seen. All right. That's that's it. That's the only that that right there. That should give everybody pause. Like, is it working properly? What else is out there? What are we, you know, like and I'm not talking I'm talking like UFOs or UAP in the the actual like in the broad sense of there's something in the air and we don't know what it is. Because it's either the, there's a malfunctioning equipment or a calibration problem or some kind of an error, or there's something there that this more sensitive equipment is detecting that we were not previously aware of, in which case we should know about it. Considering we just had a fucking balloon fly across the entire goddamn country fucking a couple, a couple of months of ago, and more than one. And you know the balloon story ties all into this, too. Because right on the heels of that, of the Chinese balloon story, were a couple of stories about how the Pentagon's, you know, the Department of Defense has been missing, you know, they, they, like a bunch of these, uh, these, uh, uh, balloons traversing the, the entire, like, length of the country. And the only reason we know about it is because they went back and looked at radar logs, like stored data, yeah. and found these anomalous signatures that had previously been disregarded. This all comes back around. All right. So uh, there, one of the guys in the squadron, this guy named uh, Lieutenant Acoin, he was uh, he he said he actually interacted twice with the objects. Now, what he means by interacted is that he picked up the object on radar flew toward to flew toward it to intercept it and he was basically flying like about a thousand feet below it and he said he should have been able to see it with his helmet camera but he couldn't even though the radar told him it was there which now, tells that, us that it's an instrument error well or or, or, or something happening with it's or, picking up something or, else or it's really fucking small <laughs> Hey, you know, it's, it's because he's listen, a thousand Sean, feet away. Sean, it's not the size of the UFO. It's how it moves. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. So, so to add to a little bit of, to add that very necessary grain of suspicion about the accuracy of the stories that these pilots are telling all of the encounters stopped in 2015. As soon as, soon as they fucking left. As soon as the squadron was deployed to, uh, to Syria because uh, <laughs> because they were part of the uh, the operations against ISIS. So there, it's so not the other squadron that no, wasn't hanging out there. Uh, right. It's not to say nobody was flying in that airspace anymore because I'm sure they were. They just weren't seeing UFOs because they hadn't fucking pilled themselves to be seeing UFOs. Yeah, of course. Naturally. All right. Uh, yeah. I mean, that whole thing, it's like, it, it's like, 
cops like having fainting spells because they thought they like caught a whiff of fentanyl or something, <laughs> which is not how that works at all, which is not how that works. You know, like it t- the pill touched my hand and like and then they pass out and start convulsing. <laughs> it, it is basically the same thing. Yeah. All right. So now we get to the star witness Grush, David Grush. Oh, this fucking guy. Um, this, this is from the debrief where this story was originally broken. So he, like I said, he repeated all the same details in the Senate hearing. I mean, he answered some questions that were a little bit, you know, like going off on tangents, but the, but basically he stuck to exactly the same stories he was telling to these reporters. So this, uh, this debrief story came out just a couple of days before the hearing took place. And it was written by by two journalists working together. One was Leslie Keen and the other was Ralph Blumenthal. Remember those names. Basically, Grush says that the recoveries of partial fragments through and up to intact vehicles have been made for decades through the present day by the government, its allies, and defense contractors. Analysis has determined that the objects retrieved Analysis has determined that the objects retrieved are of exotic origin. That's how he describes not wanting to say something's alien, using the term exotic, which just means not from around here. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, these these two words are, are essentially equal with one another. Now, there may be some like domain specific differences, but. It's like when Europeans uh, several centuries ago were saying oriental to refer to literally anything that's just not. Of the Occident. Analysis has determined that the objects retrieved are of, quote, exotic origin, non-human intelligence, whether extraterrestrial or unknown origin, based on the vehicle morphologies and material science testing and the possession of unique atomic arrangements and radiological signatures, he said. That, that, so, like, strange shapes. Uh, they have the wrong number of isotopes. And they're they're emitting some kind of radiation. In filing his complaint, Grush is represented. This is a complaint uh, that he filed with the inspector general. In filing his complaint, Grush is represented by a lawyer who served as the original intelligence community inspector general. So literally, the last guy is the guy who's representing him against the <laughs> recent, the current guy. <laughs> Yeah. Quote, we are not talking about prosaic origins or identities, Grush said, referencing information he provided Congress and the current ICIG. The material includes intact and partially intact vehicles. He's now he has provided no public evidence that any to anybody that, that anywhere that the any of the things he says he knows about actually exists. He hasn't, there's no, been no photos. He's not passing around a piece of metal that he says came from an alien spacecraft. Well, he never even saw it. I mean, he just interviewed 40 guys. Right. That's his whole basis for all of this. And so I'm going to pass this over to you. During the testimony, Grush said, I was informed in the course of my official duties of a multi-decade UAP crash retrieval and reverse engineering program to which I was denied access. So he knows it exists, but he was not allowed to have access to it, which means he knows no details. So just use your imagination, guys. And (laughs) if your imagination goes to space aliens, then you're in luck. Asked whether the U.S. government had information about extraterrestrial life, Grush said the U.S. likely has been aware of non-human activity since the 1930s. There's the 1930s again. We heard it in the clip. 
and now to, we got it again. We need to we need to really focus on the non-human part because Grush uses that term a lot. He uses the it term. It could be a chimp. It could be okay. So literally, it could be like a the the dog that the Soviets shot into space. Every fucking biological. I'm sorry. Every life form on on planet Earth is a non-human biological. That's the term except he for uses humans. a lot, except for humans. Yeah, except for humans. Uh, except so for like, most humans. <laughs> All right, who's who's a who's a human non-human biological, or is it like MTJ or MTG or Mitch McConnell? Mitch, oh, but he's a turtle. More machine than man these days. No, he's a turtle. So the 1930s. This is an interesting one. Grush did not deliver this testimony, but he has said this in other places. What he's talking about is a spacecraft that Mussolini allegedly recovered <laughs> before World War II and then was take and then after the allies captured Italy they took possession of it. So well, he he actually there's this whole kind of like arrangement between Mussolini and the Vatican to keep all this shit secret. Well, according I mean, to Grush, I, Mussolini had a pretty upside down view of the whole thing. So I, I don't know how he would even see it. There's still no evidence. That was a terrible joke. He had smoke in his eyes. That's why you couldn't see it. <laughs> but there's still no evidence. After all that, like you can say the craziest shit you can think of, whatever you whatever you read on the Chan boards or, you know, whatever you find in some, you know, in the dusty old like UFO conspiracy books about secret government programs and stuff like that. But if you don't have evidence of it, why are you delivering testimony about it? Well, I mean, what is this? Some fucking national treasure? Oh, basically. Fiction? Yeah. Where, where it is right up there. Are we are we storming the Vatican to find the, the, the I, next I want to see Nick thing. Cage play either the Pope or Mussolini. <laughs> He could, he could break out and play both. You know, he's a versatile actor. Everything with, with Grush, though, is like that I, I heard from a guy that I trust that he's seen captured UFOs. No, everything from Grush is, I won't say this in the open setting, but I'll tell you about it in in a in a closed. Uh, oh, earlier. So in our in our video earlier, then I'm not, why even have a hearing? Then why even have a fucking hearing? But like, why even have a public hearing if you're going to do this? What's all this disclosure? They 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 think they're accomplishing all this like public accountability and transparency if you can't say anything at all. It has to be ninety percent of the things that he says in that hearing are like I can't talk about that in public. Are you actually a whistleblower? Unless no you fucking- actually unless you have something on the line. Unless you could get in trouble for saying this. Edward Snowden ran off to Russia. His whistle's more like a fucking kazoo at this point. Like it 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 doesn't it doesn't really fit with the whole I gotta tell the truth to the because the apparent American people deserve to know. He didn't say a damn thing throughout the whole fucking hearing. And the only time he said anything interesting, it was when he was saying, Oh, actually I do talk about that in that interview. That I It'll did all be in my this. upcoming book. <laughs> and don't worry, I'm paid by the words, so it'll be real lengthy and fucking full of shit. So, so something that came up a couple of times during the course of the hearing was Grush talking about 
the this 2017 New York Times article that I mentioned earlier. He actually brought it up in his testimony as it, it's something that I, he uses. I, I don't remember the exact wording that he used, but basically the extent of it's what turned him on to UFOs. All right, this 2017 New York yeah. Times article. A couple of the of the representatives mentioned it as well as being an inspiring article. That was the article that Graves was in, wasn't it? Or was oh, it? Oh, hold on. I'm so, all right. All right. I'll hold my horses. This article is mentioned a few times by Congress members during the hearing, and it was called an inspiration and given credit for advancing the UFO issue. And that was absolutely the, my intonation, meaning that there's scare quotes there. <laughs> Incidentally, this article was written by Helene Cooper, Ralph Blumenthal, and Leslie Keen. Two of the same authors that wrote the that that wrote the debrief article where Grush is spilling the beans right before the hearing. Yeah, basically, yeah, that debuted Grush's unbelievable claims and that the U.S. is possessing alien tech. And it's also was most likely the debrief article was also most likely the inspiration for Congress to to hold the hearing, or it was somehow an announce like pre-announcing that it was going to take place. You know, that there was going to be something important coming from it, you know, the after attention has been gathered. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's it's not like it's not like when they do these hearings, they're giving a fucking tribute at the beginning. Uh, we'd like to thank uh, these authors and this particular article so we can only infer what it's from. But there's a there's I can a pretty... make up whatever I want in my head. <laughs> but but at the same time, it's it's. I don't know. The timeline matches pretty fucking well. If they can make up aliens, I can make up that there's some collusion between this subcommittee (laughs) and a couple of journalists. (laughs) Well, it doesn't have to be collusion. They can just see a thing. I mean, fucking Trump would just watch Fox News and then have his next great foreign policy. And then do an executive order. (laughs) (laughs) An important detail about this original article in The Times and we'll we'll add a link to everything that I that we came across in the uh, in the episode description, so everybody can read all the same stuff. And you know, if you come to different conclusions than than we do, then you're probably wrong. But tell <laughs> us about it. The article that was written by Cooper, Blumenthal, and Keen in 2017, and has all these unbelievable claims was something that was basically presented to them. They, you know, it was, it was like the, the article was pitched to these journalists and it was originally about Skinwalker Ranch. <laughs> yes. That Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. From the history channel. Yeah. It's the same. It's the same fucking crowd that's hanging out with the hair guy. So it didn't just talk about the government's UFO programs, and we'll get back into that, too, because this all kind of ties together. And I have to thank Stephen Greenstreet from the New York Post for this. And I never would have thought I'd ever extend any kind of credit <laughs> to any journalist from the Post. But he really seems to have, like he seems to be one of the few, if not the only, I think there's maybe one other person, journalist, that is who's reporting on this particular connection that is right there out in the open for anybody to pay attention to. Honestly, Sean, literally you can't find it anywhere. It's not on, it's not on NBC. It's not on CNN. It's not showing up in the times. It's not showing up any place. This connection between David Grush, this, the, the program that he worked for, and I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. So I'm just going to go into it. This is from green streets article in the post. 
After a gigantic spy, Chinese spy balloon flew over America, the mainstream media and some congressional leaders are still looking for aliens. And it's now reported that the Pentagon missed several incursions of foreign spy craft for years because they were instead looking for UFOs. Now, that was a widely published story last year. How did this happen? It seems a small group of, group of UFO activists spent years misleading a credulous media and an oblivious Congress. On December 16th, 2017, the New York Times released a bombshell story about a Pentagon Pentagon UFO program called the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, AATIP. The Times reported that Nevada Senator Harry Reid spearheaded the creation of AATIP, which was funded with $22 million to study strange unidentified objects flying over America's skies. That sounds great. No problem. Yeah. The story, unsurprisingly, went viral and UFOs became a red-hot topic overnight. Maybe unintended consequences, maybe not. Two days after it was published, Lou Elizondo, the former Pentagon official who the Times claimed was the director of AATIP, went on CNN to talk about the otherworldly UFOs that AATIP had allegedly studied. He stated, these anomalous crafts were, quote, defying the laws of aerodynamics and ended his interview by announcing, we may not be alone. <laughs> the news headlines the following day repeated Elizondo's maybe it's aliens announcement and sent shockwaves around the world. Over the next five years, this now legendary story was repeated thousands of times in the media. Elizondo, who declined to comment for this story, would become a minor celebrity, appearing on primetime cable news, starring in a History Channel series, and landing a book deal. And the UFO hysteria, which began with that one New York Times story, has now culminated with Congress taking official action to hunt UFOs. (laughs) But most of the story was false. Elizondo has touted as himself as the director of a UFO Pentagon, a Pentagon UFO program, AATIP, including on shows like Unidentified. But the Pentagon said he had, quote, no responsibilities, unquote, with AATIP. As exclusively reported by the Post, the Pentagon didn't actually have a U- an official UFO program called AATIP, and Elizondo was not its director. In 2019, the Pentagon released a statement saying Elizondo had, quote, no identity. Uh, had no responsibilities, and they also they said that the program wasn't developed to create or to investigate UFOs. Anyway, Elizondo has his own drama, files a complaint with the DOD Inspector General's office himself, echoes of Grush, claiming that the Pentagon denying his role was part of a disinformation campaign. But recently, the Pentagon did release documents that's, that do indicate that there is no evidence to be found to support Elizondo's claims. This all comes back to Robert Bigelow, the skinwalker guy. <laughs> so some these are some of the people that are linked to Grush. Jay Stratton. He was formerly David Grush's boss at UAPTF. You remember that? That was the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force. Stratton has also investigated Skinwalker Ranch since 2009. How much is there to investigate? I mean, the, the place isn't that big. Stratton... This is a Pentagon employee who was searching for UFOs, or at least unidentified aerial phenomena, (laughs) also believes that he's being haunted by poltergeists and stalked (laughs) by werewolves. (laughs) Have you have you been keeping up on what we do in the shadows? Uh, Because, I mean, I feel like this this would fit right in. I left off right before the werewolf stuff started. (laughs) 
<laughs> I watched a bunch of the new episodes of the most recent season, and then I stopped, and I they were just starting to talk about werewolves, and I, I got busy with some other stuff, and I think I started watching Venture Brothers again or something like that. All right, so... I mean, this Next, is more C-Lab Eric- 2020, if we're being perfectly frank. Next, another associate of Grush is a guy named Eric Davis, an astrophysicist and Pentagon contractor. He worked with Grush and Stratton as well at UAP- UAPTF. He's also a ghost hunting OG, and Davis has been tracking ghosts at Skinwalker Ranch since 1996. Wow, that is, you know, that is that is two years after... That is two years after the Melancholy and Infinite Sadness album. Uh, that is the most perfect album came out. Uh, just just for reference. So Eric Davis also claims to be in telepathic communication with ghosts from Skinwalker. <laughs> he has not disclosed what they tell him or what they talk about. That's that's private. Next, you're going to know this one, Jules. Oh, I know. Travis Trailer. Uh, Taylor. But, yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> did you do that on purpose? Is that what you did? Yeah, <laughs> it's good old tra- Travis Trailer is back. <laughs> so Taylor is informally referred to as the chief scientist for UAPTF. He is also a co-star on Ancient Aliens and currently stars alongside Jay Stratton on The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. <laughs> <laughs> So I literally saw a photo from twenty from a twenty twenty UFO conference from Alien Con, like during Alien Con at a at a restaurant, uh, where in a booth is is sitting Grush, Jay Stratton, Travis Trailer, and George Knapp. God, I I, I wanted to be a Denny's. I wanted so bad to be a Denny's. <laughs> this is this is the same fucking circles. I mean. Mufon it's the has same become it, it's Mufon see, has become so, passe. But see here here's here, here's the question. How is it that all these guys were working for the Pentagon? My my key thinking is just like we were talking about I, I, I don't know. I don't know for sure. All right. So there there's a key I'm, I'm going to backtrack in that uh in that New York Post article a little bit. Wait, 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 Sean, before you do. I was going to say with all these guys it really strikes me as a similar thing that we were talking about with the sound of freedom, where we don't really know what they were doing in these institutions. We don't necessarily know exactly what their daily activities were. Uh, we definitely get more specificity with some of these guys than we did uh, with uh, Tim. Uh, Tim, what's his nuts? But you you can't forget people's names like two weeks after we cover them on a show. Uh, Tim Tim Gu, uh, Tim Tim Gunner. No, God damn. Nobody tell him. Moving on. <laughs> like ever. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, either way, we're 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 looking at kind of the same thing here. Where yeah, we don't know what they did day to day necessarily. We know they worked there, and that's not necessarily refuted. Jules, would you imagine that somebody working for the government would have a fucking background check if they've ever appeared on a nationally syndicated show about aliens? Well, maybe. 
Do you do you think that a uh, that a House subcommittee might check on somebody's background about who they've associated with before they appear in front of the in front of a government body to be a, a, a witness under oath? The only thing that counts is that they're Americans, Sean. Because it doesn't because seem like Americans they did. Are- because uh, <laughs> the way that they asked the questions during this hearing, it doesn't seem like anybody had any idea of Grush's connections to any of these people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all they had to do is look at his fucking employment records to see that Jay Stratton was his boss for a time at the same organization where he gathered a lot of this information because it was only a couple of years ago that Stratton left. Yeah. He left in 2020. And then on top of it, he was only on the task force for like two fucking years anyways. Here, here's the time. Here's the line from the from the Post article. How did this happen? It seems a small group of UFO activists spent years misleading a credulous media and an oblivious Congress. And that right there is it, it really is the key to this. And we're, we're going to be talking to some some other people in the upcoming weeks along these lines, and they're going to be able to add a lot more details than we can add. But it has to do with this nefarious sounding organization called the Invisible College. (laughs) Is that like the School of the Americas? (laughs) By the way, Sean, just so you know, I did remember, it just took a few seconds, Tim Ballard. There you go. I didn't even look it up. I promise I didn't look it up. Notably, I, I, we left off on this, but Knapp, one of the other guys in that photo, who has not been mentioned previously in, in this episode, at least, this is a journalist who has made a name for himself by reporting on UFO stuff. He started off as just a regular whatever beat he had journalist and started focusing on Los Alamos and Bob Lazar and that kind of stuff. And then reporting on the conspiracy theories of Behold a pale horse author, Bill Cooper. Fuck off. What? <laughs> all right. So not all right. Now our listeners are pretty smart listeners and they're pretty clued into a lot of the dog whistles and a lot of the white supremacy shit, at least by this point, maybe. But what it's important to point out and really fucking put a goddamn pin in this point is that beyond a pale horse is a white supremacist, document manifesto I, I don't know i don't know how you want to say it um it's it is a very important writing from in in the world of white supremacy that is directly taking from uh uh a lot of the stuff that we see from the anti-semitic tropes and ideas from jules jules is soft pedaling it right now the Behold a Pale Horse literally reprints the entire Protocols of the Elders of Zion. Yeah, that's basically it. <laughs> that's how anti-Semitic it is. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were they were basically uh, uh, copying off of the homework. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Jules, do you, do you have anything else you want to add? Uh all right, I have a couple of things that I did want to add. Uh, one of those is is that throughout the whole fucking uh, 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 hearing, top to bottom, I was waiting for them to to say, "Hey, all right, so here's the deal: they're definitely space aliens." And several of the uh, Congresspersons asked directly, and specifically to Grush, by the way, uh, they said, "Hey." 
are you talking about aliens? Are these space aliens? They, I think at one point they, they used that term or something pretty close to it. And multiple times he averted the question, averted the question, or he would say, uh, I cannot confirm or deny that in this public setting. And it's like, fuck off, dude. Like, it, just if, if you're going to be here, if we're going to waste two hours watching this bullshit, give us something juicy. And the whole thing is that he's just going to have a book deal in about six months. No, he's going to be on the Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch. <laughs> That's his new gig. He's going to have his, he's going to be a, he's going to be a co-host on a History Channel show, a hit show. And and I, they're, they're he's going to go on the the ancient aliens tour. He's going to show up again at Alien Con as a distinguished speaker. And I all because right. he's the one. See this the the house gave him all this credibility by having him appear as a witness. And he's got he's and, got everything they, he just, needs for for the whole fucking it circuit. Th- this this guy has got an entire career laid out in front of him. He is he so he was at Alien Con in twenty twenty. Three years before he ever got to appear in front of a House subcommittee and deliver testimony in front of Congress, they're already I making mean, this, the guy, this tour. guy is golden. He's got so he's got credibility with this crowd that that will extend the rest of his life. the The T-shirt printing factories are already making the Grush twenty twenty four tour T-shirts and hats. They're they're already ready to go. He's gonna he's gonna do a whole conference. He's gonna do it with the hair guy and the History Channel. It's gonna be a whole thing. Oh, maybe that should be our first merch. <laughs> Grush twenty twenty four. The the yeah, the, the Grush twenty twenty four world tour. <laughs> oh my god, we could do gonna, it like a band T shirt, and well, we could just have like on the back all the different cities. It'll we could start. Just, it'll start in Sedona, Arizona. It'll be perfect. Right. It, 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 it starts in Sedona and it, it, it's going to end up in like Sri Lanka or something like that. <laughs> and all right. So I did want to say this. Uh, if if I, I don't want everybody listening to think that I'm discrediting the idea of extraterrestrials existing out of hand. I do think. I, I think you overestimate how much people care about what we actually think. <laughs> Just give me a second to bring up the Drake equation, if you would. Uh, so, oh my God, are you better not? I'm gonna just cut. I will cut him off mid sentence if he brings <laughs> up the Drake equation. I, I, I just think that it is, it is very possible and and probable, in fact, that there are other forms of life somewhere in the universe. However, I think there are a few problems, which is which are that. Uh, uh, the speed limit of the universe is light itself. And also that, uh, uh, we have the Fermi paradox, which is if we were going to fucking run into aliens, why haven't we been conquered or destroyed or contacted by now? And, uh, in all of the above, whether there are aliens or not, I don't know who, who's to fucking say, but I'm, I, I think that it's conceivable that there is some kind of a technology that I can't conceive of right now, considering it wasn't even two centuries ago that we didn't even have motor cars and planes and anything like that. And within the last uh, little over a century, we went from that to landing on the moon. However, 
And here's the big thing. I love those time travel photos that, that people used to pass around, like evidence of time travel, I, where they'd be like, look, this lady's holding a cell phone in the, in the 1800s. <laughs> as, 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 much as, as much as I think that it is statistically improbable that there's not other life somewhere in the incredible amount of stars and planets in the universe, uh, I think that the three guys in this particular hearing are definitely full of shit. I, well, actually I think aside from Grush, uh, Grush is full of shit. I think the other two guys believe that they believe that they saw what they saw. I don't, they're not lying. They, they, they do believe that they I, saw I believe what they that. Saw. And, and you could see it. You could see the sincerity in their faces. I, I did not get insincerity. Uh, I don't know. Vibes from them, like impressions from them. I personally have seen some shit that defies explanation. I do not understand it. I don't know how it works. I saw I a UFO once and not, I'm not saying I saw a space alien, but I definitely saw a UFO that matches Likewise. all the things. Absolutely. Yeah, I like, I, I have too. I've seen things that probably somebody else would call a ghost. And I, but I, I, I can sit here and it's the same time say, yeah, I don't really buy the whole idea of ghosts. I don't really think that's a thing. Yeah, you know, like I don't think that there's like spirits haunting us or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I I have seen what a lot of people would probably just call a ghost. Honestly, and move on. same here, same here. I, th I think that part of this is that we have, as humans in general, we have an extreme degree of discomfort with unanswered questions, and even if the answer requires an insane leap in critical thinking, we would rather have that than. The question mark. That's how we fucking survive. Is that is that we would rather have we'd rather have an insane, an absolutely insane assumption than an open question. And I, I, I brought this up before. If the thing rustling in the bushes is a tiger and we assume it's a tiger, then we're going to pass on our genes. And if the thing rustling that, in the bushes, God damn it, Jules, that is a tribe of fairies and they are angry at you because you <laughs> spilt milk this morning. And hey, you know what? If we're wrong about that, then we still pass on our genes. <laughs> right. And that's the thing is that if, if we if we fuck it up and we think it's a tribe of angry fucking fairies and they're they're pissed off because I spilt the glass of milk and then I run away and I don't get killed by whatever the fuck was in the bushes. I still get to re to get to reproduce and pass on my genes. But you know who doesn't? The one who says, nah, it's probably fine. Yeah. The one who just <laughs> hangs out and says, oh, it's nothing. You know, and that's the one the tiger eats or the cheetah or the panther or whatever continent you're on. And, <clears throat> you know, the, the polar bear. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, but, but as far as the alien thing goes, I think the one is like something that I've seen, but really doesn't get... It doesn't get presented a lot, even by by skeptics of alien encounters. Uh, you know, like UFOs are actually space aliens. Like skeptics of that idea is the uh, the time frame. Our planet did not create life until like what four billion years ago, something like that. That's when life started, roughly. You know, like the ballpark. I only kept count about uh, thirty six years ago. So what what about a planet that was? formed around a star that was created a billion years earlier or even a million. How about a star that was created a million years before our sun? It coalesced, the, the planets all took shape and, you know, and 
They had so it, and you had the right combo head, head of nitrogen and carbon and some other things. Who out there in their right mind thinks that our species is going to last a million fucking years? I mean, at least before becoming another species or just dying off. You know, what if five hundred thousand years ago uh, from now, you know, we still haven't cracked light speed travel because that seems like a real big problem, and or faster than light speed. But we, you know, we've totally populated the entire solar system and we have like all this shit everywhere. And we're like, like occupying this entire space as far as we can reach. And, you know, but we can't quite get people past that because it requires, you know, all of these things that we just, that are just maybe just absolute barriers that you just can't do. You could have civilizations all over the goddamn galaxy and in, in these different solar systems. Kepler and other space telescopes have spotted certain things so far as far as solar as far as uh, extrasolar planets, but we can't see them in the sense that we can like tell that they have orbiting artificial satellites and there's convoys traveling back and forth between planets delivering transports and you know like people and supplies. We can't see any of that stuff. We can't see what's going on on the surface of any of these things. We could be, we could already have pictures of alien life and not know that we have pictures of alien life because what we're looking at is a little flicker in front of a distant star. And we know that that's a planet that's transiting in front of it. This, this lens, this, I mean, what you're describing is, is right in line with the idea of what I'm saying is that we could be surrounded by life all over the fucking place. And we could literally have pictures of these solar systems and not know that there's life there. Yeah. Well, well, not none of this indicates that any of these people ever came here because again, that seems like a big problem. To be able to travel faster than light and not just faster, but like considerably faster. And on top of it, because the universe is expanding, it has to be faster than faster. Because I mean, you know, every minute that we're existing, it's but and and, I mean, what you're describing, I mean, it it brings up the the idea of uh, it's called the the great filter is what it's called. And it's, it's this idea that either we're the only ones that have achieved intelligence of all the possible uh, life forms and, and the rest of it in the universe. Uh, and, and there's no possibility of communication. Uh, and then another possibility is that at a certain point, intelligent species get too smart and they destroy themselves because of various technological reasons or, so social reasons or who, who knows what, you know, basically the idea of we nuke ourselves or warfare or something like that. Uh, and then, and then, you know, a few other things. And, and so the idea is that, is it possible that there is some kind of a barrier that either we haven't reached yet in terms of the development of a species as in its total uh, cumulative intelligence uh, that at a certain point it just destroys itself or, I don't know, becomes non-corporeal. Who gives a shit? Um, but, but also <laughs> you're like wedging like five different Star Trek episodes into one, say, yeah, like yeah. one paragraph of description. <laughs> uh, who, who, who's, who's the chick in, in uh, Voyager uh, who has the short haircut and then she becomes a, uh, an orb of light and then comes back. Uh, several well, see, they did that the- in the next generation too, when they had, uh, I think it was called the hunted or something like that. And they, they rescued the, uh, the, the, the guy from the crash vessel on the planet. And he was like, like able to bring somebody back to life. And then he started transforming into like this glowing being. Oh yeah. Except, yeah. 
the special effects for that were awesome too, because you could tell that it was like a guy in like a full white bodysuit with like a hood and everything. <laughs> cause you like, it, like, he, cause even though he was like this, be, this being of light, he still had this like giant package between his legs. <laughs> so we become orbs with the package between our legs uh, or, or, or whatever it is. But I mean, we don't know if we're before some great barrier or after some great barrier and somehow we got past yeah. the threshold uh, or there is no great barrier. But I mean, that's part of what you're talking about, which is kind of, it's, it's pretty hard to believe that we're as disorganized as we are now. And as non-serious as we are now, where our government, our, our elected officials hold this ridiculous hearing. And then in the next breath say, well, we could possibly be on the other side of the great filter, you know, like, no, we're absolutely not on the other side of the great filter. <laughs> You know, if anything, we're everything's regressing at this point. You know, we we have a, a sizable population just in this country that has is not just content, but very attracted to having the worldview of like a, a medieval peasant in Italy. Yeah, you know, like it, the I world mean, is six thousand totally years old. With- it's flat. It's uh, and furthermore. Everything, everything is hocus pocus from somebody died because they talked to a crow. (laughs) Somebody else got possessed by the lizard down at the riverside. Listen to how the people from Moms for Liberty talk about what's happening with the books and tell me that that does not sound like the superstition of a medieval peasant. Oh, no, we're, we're getting ready to burn witches at this point. I mean, we're, we're literally a couple of years away. I mean, at least potentially, I'm not predicting anything because who could do that? But, you know, like we really are laying the groundwork to have, you know, like, like a Salem witch trial sort of scenario where we're going to say that, you know, that somebody is in league with the devil. Oh, wait, we already have people saying that. And then we're, <laughs> all, all the we time, do, do, a disconcerting do, amount of time. Yeah. I mean, literally, Greg Locke just released a documentary. God, I called it a oh. documentary. Holy <laughs> shit. Don't give it away. We're going to cover that in an upcoming episode. We, we can't have people watching that before we cover it. Where, where he's talking about exorcisms and stuff like that. I mean, this is a guy with a giant. I know we covered, you know, we covered an exorcist before, but. And we've talked about Greg Locke a bunch. But, but but as far as Locke goes, he's he's got quite the platform, and it doesn't seem to be shrinking. Yeah, we're we're it, it's it's amazing because contrary to like what it seems, I believe the trend has continued that every pretty much every year the number of people who call themselves religious is going down in the U.S. But it seems to be there's an there's an exactly opposite line of, of the like sort of vocal vociferousness of religious people. So the smaller the crowd gets, the louder they get. And there seems there's like, this is something that I first came across in like 2014 that the, you know, I remember reading something. I didn't just invent this myself, obviously, but the, I remember reading, you know, reading that idea in like 2014 uh, that, you know, religiosity is decreasing, but the, the 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 vociferousness of religious people is increasing so it has it gives the off the impression that there's more religious people because they're louder and they cause more of a ruckus I know but I talk the about- reality is it's actually going down but the, pro- the I think we we there's a danger at least in my mind at some point of hitting this crisis point where 
the numbers have significantly diminished um, of, you know, people who are, you know, sort of, and I'm not talking about everyday churchgoers. I'm talking about really extreme people that the, the number of people who are on this extreme fringe of Christianity in the U S has gotten gone down to the point that they, they, they go into sort of like a coyote colonizing mode, you know, like when, when coyote hunts happen, the the coyotes can go into a colonizing mode at least you know that's what i've that's what i've been told at least where breeding cycle increases so you go do a coyote hunt and trying to cut down trying to reduce the population but it has exactly the opposite effect because they start they start rapid breeding and then all of a sudden there's more coyotes than before the hunt and it happens in a pretty short span of time and I think that's what's happening with these evangelicals is that they're like getting crazier and crazier because there's fewer of them. And it's some sort of like, I don't know, it's almost like an evolutionary pressure on them to get louder. At the risk of at the risk of abusing my and mentioning. do something terrible. <laughs> right. At the risk of mentioning rules for radicals too many times. In that he described kind of the same thing that we're observing here, which is that if you have a whole shitload of people, then... Uh, you utilize that. And, and he describes basically two, two foci of, of power in popular movements or, or movements generally or organizations, which are money and people and if you are resources and people, and if you have resources, then flex that. And if you have people flex that, and if you have both great, but as those two things are smaller and smaller on the scale, he, essentially prescribes and also describes effectively in this case that the smaller the you are the latter you have to be and that's where he he describes you know the people who fart up the opera and you know the other the other events that he describes in the book but the idea is that uh if if you're if you're a lot smaller in, in number make such a ruckus that it makes it seem like you're much larger in number and power and influence and resources. And that's exactly so, what we're seeing here. But the other thing that I wanted to say though, it is sounds that, like he's giving the advice to do the thing that is sort of intuitive in the first place. I probably, but in the same way though, what we're also seeing is, is a phenomenon that we saw in Florida, which is that a lot of these places where it seems like it's dominated by right wing fanatics is really a manipulation of the uh, of the way that the systems are working whether it's gerrymandering or just packing uh electoral boards uh when 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 available so if you have all of your fucking fanatic mom moms for liberty or whomever packing the meeting at the time that it is to to elect the board of whatever then you're going to get all your guys because you're just packing it on the right day. And that's, I mean, that's exactly their, their fucking strategy. And in the same way with Florida, we saw what Ron DeSantis did with the redistricting right after he was elected by a fucking hair in 2018. And then in 2022, he won by a fucking landslide. Well, that was a few things, but not least of which was that uh, he totally redistricted it so that the Democrats and specifically the black people didn't have the voice that they had in 2018. And so we see this manipulation of things that outsizes it. I mean, the same thing that we see with the, with the electoral college where we have tons and tons of States that are, 
these very small states population wise, but because they are voting in the way they are, things stack up so that the popular vote is fucking irrelevant. So all of the above is I'm really just trying to say that these things look a lot worse in terms of what you think the population is that believes this shit is, but it's really just both a manipulation of things in terms of what you're actually seeing and what shows up and also the loudest people talking. And that's where you get, you know, the nastiest thing of all is where you get this sort of ruthless ruling of by the minority. Yeah. They've managed to, you know, slip into control with a lot of money. And that's what happens when you're friends with the oligarchs and you have all the funding. (laughs) Yeah. You get to be able to be in charge, even if you have a much smaller base. All right. I'm not going to ask you if you have anything else because I already did. And then we talked for like 20 more, 30 more minutes. (laughs) That is it for this episode. We are going to get going. So thank you everyone for listening. And we hope you enjoyed it, especially the rambling bits at the end, because that was actually a lot of fun. (laughs) Jules and I haven't talked in a few days. So uh, we had had a lot to say. (laughs) (laughs) It was all pent up. And remember, you can get an extra couple of episodes every month and help us keep the lights on by subscribing at patreon.com forward slash wetwired. Basically, every other episode from here on out is going to be a premium episode. So without a subscription, you'll essentially just be missing half of our stuff. If you want all of our stuff, get a subscription. Yeah. And also, uh, don't forget to check us out on all the usual places. Uh, You can rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else allows you to rate us and review us. Um, yeah, the, the the usual places are mostly Twitter. God, <laughs> I don't even want to call it X. No, I refuse. I, I'm not even yeah. going to do it. I'm not even. I, I did it. decide that I would be comfortable calling it shitter. <laughs> you know, like X I T T E R. I uh, I have I I don't want to call it X so much, but. It's just, that's the world we live in. I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm not going to be one of these like hand wringing people that says I'm leaving this place and whatever, you know, like honestly, Twitter is where I've met every guest on our show so far has come from a Twitter connection or no, started no, no. there. Half of our guests, about half of our guests have been, I found them on TikTok. On TikTok. All right. Well, that's good too. And then I communicate with right. them through t- Twitter. Like Jules said, Leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We actually got another five-star rating and review. So that is awesome. Um, Go for it. Leave a review. You know, like you can leave a bad review. I mean, I don't even care. Just, you know, let me know you're listening. Is anybody out there? (laughs) All right. I think that's it. We'll see you guys later. Later, skaters. Unidentified aerial phenomena are a potential national security threat. They need to be investigated, and many threats they pose need to be mitigated. Ten of our nuclear ICBMs were rendered inoperable. At the same time, a glowing red orb was observed overhead. There are a number of, uh, of events in which we do not have an explanation, in which the, and there are a small handful in which there are flight characteristics or signature management um, that we can't explain with the data that we have. All right, that was from yesterday's UFO hearing, which was the first in more than 50 years. Look who is here. Michio Kaku, ace physicist, joins us this morning. All right, Michio, right from the start, is there something out there? 
Well, you know, 50 years ago, people concentrated on eyewitness accounts by members of the public who said they saw something in the sky. That's not enough. Now we have hours of videotapes of seasoned Navy pilots documenting things that can now be analyzed frame by frame. These objects, whatever they are, can travel between Mach 5 and Mach 20. That's 20 times the speed of sound. They can zigzag and maneuver, creating G-forces several hundred times the force of gravity. They can drop 70,000 feet within a matter of seconds. And get this, they can even swim underwater. Well, we heard from an expert, now let's talk to a witness. Christopher Bledsoe says he's not only seen UFOs, but he can summon them on command. It started when Bledsoe went on a fishing trip in 2007. He says he saw an orb that followed him home. And he still sees the orbs above his house to this day. He's become something of a psychological phenomenon. His experience is so compelling that both NASA and the CIA have studied his brain. Even the History Channel's documenting it. They filmed him IDing an orb live. Watch. He's pointing now, so maybe He's focusing on one. That would make sense. He has one. He's got one in the tree line. When we started seeing that intense effort, he spotted an orb in the tree line. Let's turn it over to Christopher Bledsoe, who personally witnessed UFOs. So, Chris, the CIA studying you, NASA studying you, the History Channel studying you. Tell Jesse Waters Primetime the truth. You can summon alien orbs. Well, um, it, it's, it's, it's been happening for the last 15 years. And, uh, I, you know, I ask them to come and they come. And that's, I don't know why, but they do. And we've, we've I've taken 2,500 videos in the last 24 months, like you're seeing there. How do you ask them? I just simply say a prayer. That's all I do. And, uh, and they come. And do you think? Do you think there might be something wrong with you? No, I don't think so. I think the government's trying to figure out why this this is happening. They have been for quite some time. How did it start? Well, it started in 2007. I had um, I was down on my luck. I'd lost basically everything. After the World Trade Center disaster, I had 100 houses, 130 houses a year I was building. I had 70 under construction. And Fort Bragg is where I live in that area. And they stopped buying houses. And with uh, interest rates at eight and 9% on construction money then, it was flying out the window so fast. I just watched it uh, in a slow motion train wreck. And it got so that I couldn't even buy my children lunch at school after being successful for 20 years. So you were down on your luck, 